Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. Here we go. Uh, you were just out at Josh McDaniel's press conference out at the facility out there. Uh, we are filming this, uh, taping this on Friday. Uh, the Raiders play on Sunday against the Broncos. Anything you can tell us in terms of how uh, McDaniel's talked about last week or heading into the Broncos that you thought interesting? No, I mean, I, you know, I think the, you know, the rivalry aspect is the most interesting thing to me about the game. I mean, besides the obvious of, you know, two teams that are struggling, although one has two victories, uh, you know, under expectations, uh, not getting off to the starts they wanted, like all those things are fascinating. And the rivalry is always fascinating. But the fact that Josh McDaniels is going against the Broncos for the first time, uh, you know, as a head coach uh, after, you know, what he called a failed stint in Denver, his first head coaching job. And now you've got Broncos players um, uh, in media in Denver and also just on social media uh, lining up to take their shots. And it's been a, a crazy week of a lot of things said. Uh, clearly, nobody has gotten over uh, the, the Josh McDaniel stint in Denver, uh, but he doesn't really want to talk about it here. Uh, you know, right now he just said he's focused on on the game. And it was a long time ago and he appreciates the opportunity and all those things. So um, it's the most fascinating thing to me, although Josh McDaniels has very much stayed above the fray. Yeah, um, I, I think that's interesting to talk about. Five and 20 since he started six and oh with the Broncos, now 0 and three with the Raiders. Um, let me ask this. I, I heard a lot of people talking about this during the week because he's 0 and three. Have you come to a determination on if he really is set to be a head coach in this league? I know it's unfair to compare Denver. It was a long time ago. He's starting a new year. But some guys are cut out for it. Some guys aren't. Some cut out, guys are cut out just to be coordinators. He did a fabulous job at that. Um, in the time you've kind of covered him there, has anything stood out to you as, you know, positive or the other side in terms of his ability to be a head coach? I mean, I think it's too early. I would say, you know, on one aspect of it, um, I liked that he came in to Las Vegas and, you know, was up front, you know, at least uh, on the surface about what happened in Denver and said, it was a failure. He didn't come in here and say, oh, if they would have done this or if this would have happened or if this guy would have done this, it would have gone a different way. He kind of took it upon his shoulders and said, I was a failure as a head coach in Denver. And I thought that was a good first step just to, you know, say, hey, look, I understand what went wrong. I know what went wrong. Um, I've learned from it. It's been over a decade and we're moving on. And I thought he was saying all the right things. Now, the the flip side is easy. Well, you're on three. What did you learn? I mean, that, that is an easy counter, but I think he he kind of said all the right things. He was acting um, in a certain way. Um, I do, I will say to the point of, you know, whether this will work out long-term, it's way too early to know that. But some of the things that went wrong, according to a lot of people, are that he tried to recreate what the Patriots did. And in his words, Josh McDaniels said, that's not what I'm doing. Um, I'm taking what I've learned there and applying it to my own program. And that's fine. But as the days go by and as the weeks go by, it seems more and more like he's just trying to do what the Patriots do. 
And look, I get it. It was successful, but it was also successful because they're the right formula. Um, you can't duplicate that if you're not that person. Uh, you should be doing your own thing. And, and I think there is, you know, part of, you know, part of part of the question right now is like, are you trying too hard to, to duplicate and replicate what was there and not trying to strike out on your own? And that's what's been wrong with many, many Belichick assistants in the past. And, you know, that's an easy thing to say right now that that's what's going on with McDaniel. Yeah. Um, good stuff there. Well, uh, we were at Tennessee uh, in Nashville, 24-22 Titans. They fall to 0-3, meaning the Raiders. A lot of stuff went into this one. Um, they are having, uh, as they did last year and the year before, they're having problems in the red zone. Um, ranked in the mid-20s now across the league. Uh, not 50% yet in the red zone this year. Um, you made the point the other day that they've been in the five within the five yard line 11 times. They've called for nine passes and two runs. I don't know if that's much of the balance that Mick Lombardi's talking about, the offensive coordinator. There's not much balance in those calls. Um, penalties have hurt them in the red zone, in the red area, pushing back down in distance. Um, is it just come down to execution here? Do you like the play calling in the red zone? Or is there something I'm not seeing here as to why they can't complete, you know, why Daniel Carlson's, you know, extending this field goal streak when they should be scoring touchdowns? Well, I, mean, I think like with every problem that the Raiders have, uh, it's in most problems in life in general. But um, if you look at what the what's going on with the Raiders, it's not easy to pinpoint one issue. And if it were, they would see it and they would fix it and it would be better and it would be improved. So um, it, it's impossible to do that. Um, like take, for instance, the just a passing game in general, well, it's easy to say, well, the offensive line hasn't been very good and, and it hasn't been great, but there are times when there is plenty of protection and, you know, Derek Carr has stepped into pressure. Uh, there are times when receivers have run the wrong routes and been in the same areas on the field. Uh, there are times when, you know, you know, for whatever reason, the, the wrong read was made or the wrong play was called, or, you know, there's, there's just so many things that go into it and you can, you can't just say, well, if this was fixed, it would be better. And I think it's the same in the red zone. Uh, yeah, I think play calling is one of the issues. Uh, certainly, I think they've talked about finding balance and they want to find balance, but they haven't uh, found balance, especially inside the five yard line. And um, I, I think it's, you know, it's so much more important to, you know, the, it's a buzzword for sure. But uh, the execution is so important. Everything has to be on. The the, the blocking has to be right. The, the receivers have to run the exact right route. Uh, the, they have to be where the quarterback believes they're going to be. And then the quarterback has to actually make the throw. And if any part of that goes wrong, then it's going to be a disaster, especially in the tight area of the red zone where you don't have really any margin for error. So um, I think it's, it's a little bit on everyone. It's certainly part on the offensive line. It's part on Derek Carr. It's part on the receiving core. It's, you know, I wouldn't say so much on the running backs, but um, there's plenty of blame to go around. And, and I think that's, that's the key with a lot of these issues that, there's no quick fixes. It's a matter of everyone doing their job and doing their job better and then figuring out how to do it. And I, th I think it's, I get kind of upset when the players say that a little bit because you're like, well, what is going wrong? But I think when you look back, like it's, it's true. There's nothing you could pinpoint that you can't say this is the issue because if, if that was the case, it would be fixed and we wouldn't have to talk about the issues anymore. There's plenty of blame to go around. They haven't played a full 60 minutes. Um, they played four really good quarters. Uh, excuse me, six, six, I don't know about really good quarters, but six good quarters, six not good quarters. The defense um, fascinates me uh, in terms of uh, one half to the other. Uh, gave up uh, the 24 in the first half and then shuts them out in the second half. Um, still haven't heard the name Chandler Jones much at all this year. 
Um, I think that's a real concern they need to start looking at. It's three games in. I don't think it's just a one-off with him. Something's going on, whether it's, you know, his age, has he lost a step? What's Are they doing something up front? I don't think so. Given Crosby's on the other side and he's having a nice year. Um, but defensively, they've got injuries in the secondary, and yet they were able to pitch the shutout in the second half. Um, do you think they've been good enough defensively not to be 0-3? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I think they've they've been fairly good on that side of the ball. And obviously, the first half against Tennessee was a disaster. But um, I think you can also chalk that up to uh, Tennessee completely changed their identity and what they do. I mean, Tennessee, for how long has Derrick Henry been there? And for how long have people, and when I say people, I mean, you know, especially fantasy football managers, but fans and, and fantasy football people screamed to throw the ball to Derrick Henry. And it's something they don't do. They never do it. So if you're preparing for this and you're trying to get ready to play the Tennessee defense and you look back at, you know, four or five years of film and see that they just never throw the ball to Derrick Henry. And then they come out and their plan is to exclusively throw the ball to Derrick Henry. Like that's tough. It's a tough spot for a defense to be in. Now, all the credit in the world to the Raiders who then went into halftime and said, Hey, we got to stop this. And they shut out the Titans in the second half. Um, obviously they put themselves behind the eight ball by falling behind, but you can't ask for more than shutting a team out in the second half. And they were able to do that. Uh, the second game against the Cardinals, they did what they had to do. I mean, they were dominant in the first half pitching a shutout. Uh, they were, you know, they got a big stop on fourth down with 12 minutes to go to give the Raiders the ball back. If you, if you as a defense get a stop in that situation, uh, up 16, 12 minutes to go, give the ball to your offense, you expect that you win and you expect that you've done enough. And then they're on the field for, I don't know, 400 plays in the second half. And at some point with a quarterback like Kyler Murray, who's dynamic and a playmaker, he's going to find a way. You can't allow your defense to be on the field that much. And I don't, I don't put that one on them at all. The first game, yeah, there were some, you know, some things to clean up, but that's a really dynamic Chargers offense, especially when they're healthy like they were in week one. Um, I, I don't find much fault with the defense at all. I think they've been very good, uh, especially in stretches. Now, you're right. It's, it's the playing for one half and not playing for the other is baffling, especially because it's not like it's the first half or the second half. We saw a very good second half week one, a very good first half week two, a very good second half week three. Like, it doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it that they can't figure out how to put that together for 30 minutes. And it's not as easy as saying you got to start better because they started great against the Cardinals. It's, it's right. a very yeah, Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. The next time you're in a company meeting and see one of your co-workers cracking open a refreshing can that appears to be a tall boy and it's in your 9 a.m. meeting, you're thinking, is that a beer? It's most likely not. It's a new mountain spring water brand called Liquid Death. Well, not only is it going to quench your thirst, but it's also going to bring a death to plastic bottles. The donations of 10% of the profits from every can sold will help kill plastic pollution. Their aluminum cans are infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator. Uh, we've, we saw, um, reports this week of a players only meeting. Um, 
I know Vinny Bonsignor wrote about it in the uh, in the RJ. It was also reported elsewhere that there was this players only meeting. Um, people let their feelings out uh, and let it be known what they thought about what was happening. It's pretty early in a season for these kind of things, but when you are 0 and 3, uh, and what history says about making the playoffs at 0 and 3, I think you are behind the eight ball a little. I think they realize that, um, and it's a bad spot to be in when you're in the NFL being 0 and 3. I mean, do you do you think these? I guess we won't know until Sunday. But these player-only meetings, um, sometimes they're contrived. Sometimes they're just done to be done. I don't know if this is going to work. Um, what are your thoughts on on these kind of things? And, and and do you think it's good to have these kind of things this early in a year, um, or do they just realize it's kind of desperate time? The players-only meeting is one of the most fascinating things in all sports to me. I love it so much uh, for several reasons. First, the logistics of it crack me up. Uh, who's calling it? How do they get the word out? Uh, what if a what if a coach is like on the text message? Does he does he just get banned? Do they lock the door on him? Uh, where do they go? Do they go to dinner? Is there food? <laughs> serve something? Are there snacks? Uh, there's a lot of questions about the players only meetings that I love, and you know people don't necessarily talk about it. But but here's here's the the part that I really love about the you know the trope that is the players only meeting. They happen all the time in every sport, and it's a constant thing that goes on. And you hear about it only when it works. It'll be Denver this week. It'll it'll work. Yeah, it'll be, you know. Now, this one it came out in kind of a weird way. Um, it kind of trickled out a little bit, and we'll find out. But, like, throughout the history of sports, there's so many cases of a team is struggling. They're going to win a title. Players only meeting. Oh, by the way, just happened with the Aces, right? It wasn't a players only meeting. It was a... Uh, you know, in the aftermath of their title, Las Vegas Aces here in, the, in in Vegas won the WNBA title. What do we hear a week after the championship? Well, there was a big meeting, Becky Hammond and the players, and it got kind of ugly. And uh, it was there was messages sent, and they went on and won the title. Does that ever come out if they don't want to win the title? No, no, <laughs> no. no. That's that's how these things come out. It's it's a very funny, uh, it's, it's a very funny thing to me. Uh, but, you know, fans love it and media loves it and, you know, people eat it up. But, you know, it, it only matters if you go on and have success after it. Uh, I want to get into the game real quick before we get what, into what do, something else. What do, you think, what do you think, though? Popcorn? You go popcorn? You go... Uh, I hope they get some trail mix. I'd bring, I'd bring in some trail mix. I love the trail mix with the... Uh, I like the ones with the monster mix from uh, Target. You got the peanut m You got the big peanut M&Ms. You got the, um, the, the, the peanuts. You got the... Uh, raisins uh some some actually have caramel bars balls i like the, the chocolate ones i'd have huge bowls of that and then have them go up and take little cups full of them i mean I, I that sounds great all the snacks sound great i just know if you have all those snacks you'd probably be dying for some liquid death uh larry muir says crunch and munch okay that's good too. it's like fiddle saddle <laughs> and we got to get liquid death in there have some liquid yeah, death that's the beverage of choice for sure <laughs> liquid death that- Absolutely. The official, official beverage of players only meetings. Who do you think does Carr talk too much in these things? Or who, who do you think is actually leading these things? Seems like a Max Crosby. He seems like a guy that would really speak out in a players only meeting. Um, I mean, my question, you know, I'm I feel like I'm very in in the special teams room. I'm a little disappointed I didn't get my invite to the players only meeting, but I wonder if they got a do, do they get an invite? Do the kicker, the punter, and the long snapper get an invite to the players only meeting? They seem to do like everything together. So I don't even know if people know who they are in that room. They're in the corner. Uh, they they talk to each other. They walk back and forth uh, from the showers together. They 
they're they're they're, they're always they're, they seemingly are always together. So they might not even know who those people are. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think in this case, like they're you know obviously they got the big contracts. Uh, Daniel Carlson, leading scorer in the league the last two years. AJ Cole, Pro Bowler. I think more so in this room than other rooms, the special teams guys are a part of it, and especially because they're locked up long term. Like most most teams are changing punters and kickers like every week. Right. Right. Here, they're they're so much a part of it. So I think it's different here with the Raiders and other places, but they don't, they're not really needed. I mean, they're going to have opinions about this. Yeah, I just I don't I mean, they're like, just go just go kick and punt. Like, you don't need to get all fired up. It's a, it's a weird dynamic. You know, the special teams room, as you said, like when we go in there after practice, they're either playing video games or playing chess or having these weird discussions about very random things. Uh, I participated in one a couple of weeks ago. I think I wrote a little bit about it, but uh, um, there was a, a UFC weigh-in issue uh, that was going on that morning. And, you know, uh, those guys know that I used to cover the UFC and still kind of do cover the UFC. So they're going to ask me about it. And it triggered a discussion of, could you more easily lose or gain 20 pounds in a day if you had to? I think it'd be harder to, I think it'd be harder to lose 20. I do. You and I've talked about this before. I think you can gain twenty a day if you really want. I mean, it sounds fun, but I don't. I don't. I think actually losing is yes. Well, you're, you're 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 around the fight world about cutting weight, right? Yeah, and it's all water. Like 20, 20 you can do. I don't know maybe Larry, uh, Larry, our producer, uh, might have some more expertise. I think he's actually done it before. But I think it's because it's a lot of water and because it's a there's a method to it. I think it's easier than just trying to like. How much food would you have to eat and not do anything? You literally couldn't move at all for a full day. Yeah, I, you're probably right. I just, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'd want to go through what it takes. And Larry's was a fighter. I don't know if it goes through what it takes to lose the twenty. Yeah, all the craziness you got to do. I don't think you understand eat a lot of tropical smoothie. Twenty pounds in a day. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to get you there. You're going to need more than that. It's going to be uncomfortable. The amount of calories. Yeah, I'd be vomiting. Be throwing up. Be throwing up. Speaking of uh, getting sick, um, I got a new. I, you probably have already started it, but Netflix. Uh, uh, we are watching at home. Can only one, watch one episode at a time because it's just way too disturbing. Have you checked out Dahmer? No, it's it's on the list. It's going to happen. You know that I'm obsessed. I actually visited. You have? Oh, did you? Uh, That's right. You did visit that home, didn't you? Uh, I did. Yeah, I dragged <laughs> one of our old colleagues, Miles Simmons, out there. It didn't tell him where we were. It was a very, very horrifying yeah. moment for him because he said, it feels creepy. I was like, yeah. that's uh, It is highly there. disturbing. There's no question about that. Like I said, we can only watch one episode at a time. And you forget you forget about the derangement of him, even though you should know. But when you watch it back and they they've, I don't know how they became so specific with this. I don't know who they asked in terms of everything he did and when and, and, and how. Um, but it's 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 fascinating in one sense but completely disturbing in the other. Well, some people got away, right? Yes. So, I mean, I think that's where they got Well, away. the one guy got away and he got to the police. That's how they caught him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where they get a lot of the information from. It's wild. Uh, yeah, I know a lot about it. Obviously, I know I'm a, I'm a big, you know, person into horrible stories and tragedies and things like that. So, I've, I've seen quite a bit, but I'm definitely going to watch it and check it out. If you need, if you need lighter, Ed... Um, I'm all in on uh, Welcome to Wrexham right now. It's fantastic. Netflix? No, it's a FX. Okay, uh, series. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a documentary. Um, it's about uh, two actors, Ryan Reynolds being one of them, and uh, 
Rob McElhenney from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and they buy a lower division soccer yeah. team in England. Actually, in so Wales. Reynolds, so Reynolds, these guys play themselves because they actually bought that team. Well, they don't play themselves. They literally did buy the team. It's a documentary yeah. in that okay. regard for sure. Um, and they're yeah, they're trying to invest in the team and get it to be good enough to move up divisions. You know, people talk about uh, relegation in England. If you don't understand what that is, it's you know you could be at the highest division. Uh, of English Premier League, and if you are one of the three worst teams, you drop down to the league below, mm-hmm. and there's like eight levels that you could drop to. Uh, this team has dropped all the way down to level five, which is essentially like semi-pro football, semi-pro soccer. Right. And, uh, they're trying to get them to move back up the ranks, which will take years and years and years and years, obviously. But uh, they want to get up one division at least this year, uh, so that's what they're uh, that's what they're trying to do, and it's about their quest to kind of do that. And uh, you know, hiring and firing coaches and signing new players and. Um, a lot about the fans of the team and things like that. So it's a, it's a pretty cool. Does show. Reynolds come off as knowing a lot about soccer? No, but comes off very very well as a person. Right, right. You can you can tell that on Twitter that uh, he would come off that way. I don't know. If, I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, a good I, th- I, th- I think you can. I think you can. I think you can see how he treats fans and treats people and and what he tweets. I do think he comes off as a good person on Twitter. Well, I think you just take too much they, grief on Twitter, so you've kind of lost your way there in terms of there can actually be nice people. Well, I was going to say I think I come off very poorly on Twitter, but I'm a, I feel like I'm a good person. No, no, no. I'm talking about the grief you receive. No, I know, but I, I welcome it. I, I, you know, I bring some of it on for sure, and I think there's a lot of people that would say I'm obnoxious on Twitter at times, and I feel like I don't think you could judge a person based on their Twitter. I disagree. I'm judging Reynolds. I like the guy. Cool. So do I, but definitely from the show. I mean, he comes across very well in the show. So, uh, Rob McElhinney comes across as much more passionate. Like he's, he's like his whole life is consumed by this team. And Ryan Reynolds is getting to that point, but he's not quite there yet. But yeah, I think, uh, they both come across. How bad is the team? I mean, they're, they're pretty awful when they take it over, but they're, they're making some good investments. All right. So what's it called? We'll give out recommendations here. I, I don't even know if I should be recommending Dahmer, but if you want to be disturbed and, and, and be afraid to sleep at night, watch Dahmer. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Wrexham. Wrexham is the uh, football club uh, that they buy. And by the way, I don't want people to watch it. I guess I shouldn't recommend it because I'm trying to get some some gear. I want a, I want a Wrexham hat. Sold out. Are you serious? Time. Oh, yeah. So the gear is being sold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, Reynolds walking into more money like he did with the gin. Well, uh, the the coach always wears an aviation gin uh, jacket, and uh, the, the the uniforms are sponsored by aviation. Sure, why wouldn't they be? Yeah. All right, so there's a couple recommendations for you: one lighthearted and one uh, seriously not. Uh, that's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. Remember, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our fighting producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week after the Broncos game. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. 
With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. 